Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's episode is a rebroadcast from our series in the book of Proverbs. But before we begin, I just want to ask everyone, I get um, questions sometimes from different people in Uganda who are listening to the broadcasts and they ask me for permission before forwarding them to to anyone or um, sometimes pastors ask me for permission for using them in their own preparation for teaching. And I just want to reiterate to everyone listening that I would actually appreciate if you forward these to as, as many people as you think might be interested in them. Uh, in that way, you're really helping me to reach a broader audience with the truth of God's Word, which is what I, I hope and I try my best to always be faithful to teach. And God's truth is it doesn't belong to me. It is ours. It's given to us through his word, and I would be very grateful um, for you to share it with as many people as you think might be interested, and um, pastors who are listening, please feel free to use whatever um, you can gain from this in your own preparation to teach God's word with your people. So with that being said, this lesson is entitled The Way of the Adulteress, and it comes from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 to 20, which says this. Three things are too wonderful for me. Four, I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Some commentators do not consider verse 20 about the adulteress to be a part of Agur's thought in verses 18 and 19, where he's talking about the eagle, the serpent, the ship, and the, the, the young lovers. But I think that when we follow his observation and his progression, it's safe to understand that the way of the adulteress is his conclusion in this analogy. Agar points out four things he doesn't understand or cannot trace. An eagle leaves no trail in the sky for you to know where it has flown. A snake leaves no trail on a rock to show where it has gone. A ship going through the sea leaves no trail in the sea that marks its path. There is no perceptible mark on the exterior of people that shows they are in love or wooing each other. Romance is a secretive thing. So the common characteristic of each of these four things that Agur says are wonders is that they are somewhat imperceptible. Unless you witness these things in the moment they take place, you might never know that they actually happened. I think the point of this is to say this is the way of an adulterous person. They hide their sin after the fact. If the sinful deed takes place in their home while the spouse is away, they cover up any evidence that might have been left to reveal their infidelity. Isn't this how David and Bathsheba behaved with their sin? David got Bathsheba pregnant, so there was they couldn't pretend that they hadn't been together. So David tried to get Bathsheba's husband Uriah to have relations with his wife, so then they could cover up the fact that really Bathsheba was pregnant with David's child. This is what is implied by the statement that the adulteress wipes her mouth. That's a euphemism 
referring to how we clean our mouths after eating, which then hides the evidence of what we've just done. If I have food all over my mouth, you know that, oh, Jonathan has been eating. But if I wipe off the evidence of that, you don't know that I've eaten anything. And that's the way the Bible describes the adulterous person covering their sin. The second statement the adulterous person makes is to tell themselves, I have done no wrong. The only way to move forward and not be crushed under a weight of guilt by your immorality is to convince yourself you haven't really done anything wrong. We see people justify their sins like this in in many ways. I've heard stories of, of women who have committed adultery, and they say the reason that they committed adultery was because their husband is never around, and they need attention. They are lonely. We see David reached uh, a point where he no longer felt his his guilt as he as he had done probably in the in the beginning because he was back on his judgment seat, judging the people of Israel, and he was willing and ready to pass judgment on others whose, whose sins might not have even been as bad as what he had done. When God sent Nathan to confront David about his sin, Nathan told David a, a story, a made-up story, to illustrate what David had done. But David didn't know Nathan was talking about him, and so he actually ends up condemning himself in response to the story that Nathan says. And then Nathan tells him, you are, you are the man, you are the guilty one. In 2 Samuel 12, 5, we read the, this reaction from David when he hears about a rich man who had stolen a poor man's lamb to, to give to a, a stranger. It says, then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. An adulterer has no moral authority to judge any person, do they? But the fact that we still do pass judgment on other people's sin and issue sentences of condemnation against them shows that we convince ourselves that our sins are hidden or overlooked. We tell ourselves, I have done no wrong. I have heard of I have heard stories of pastors who are guilty of sexual immorality themselves who have been part of, of groups who go and confront and rebuke other pastors for being sexually immoral. That makes no sense, but that's the way of the adulterous person, as described in Scripture here. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 15.3 that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God sees all and knows all. Jesus made some astonishing statements about the extent extent to which God is going to judge people. In Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, it says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account, that means we will have to answer, for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I guarantee that we have all forgotten most of the careless words we have spoken. But God hasn't. He says this in another place, in Luke 12, verse 2 and 3, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, 
and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Are any of us ready to have our secrets shouted from the housetops? Shouldn't that make us tremble? What's going to be exposed in our lives? All the things we have wiped off our mouths, swept off our floors, and cleaned off our beds will be revealed. If that doesn't motivate you to seek peace with God and settle your account with Him, I don't know what I can say to convince you to do so. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 describes God's word this way. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Have you been hiding your sin thinking, I haven't done anything wrong. God is not going to judge me. You know, some people convince themselves that they're so important to God and to God's work that God puts them in a special category of grace. God knows I struggle with this sin, but you know, I preach the gospel so wonderfully. I do so much ministry, so God doesn't mind the sin that I've committed. That's wrong. Everyone is naked and exposed to the judge we all must give account to. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 2 verse 12, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus died to cover our sins, to hide them forever from God's presence. Have you washed yourself in his blood? And are you living now for him? God bless you all.